This is a podcast by The Straits Times. And now it's time for our regular sports uh, show, Game of Two Halves, every Monday around about this time at 5.15, where I host the sports uh, podcasters from The Straits Times. Well, I'm Bernard Lim, and with me are uh, sports uh, correspondents uh, David Lee and Sazali Abdul-Aziz. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show again. Hi, Bernard. Nice to be on. Okay, let's start with the big feature, which uh, you both worked on the past weekend over the uncertainty that swirls around the Tokyo Olympics due to the coronavirus situation. Now, David, is the July 24th to August 9th Olympics uh, really in danger of not taking place? Well, I would say never say never. You know, the Japanese government and the Tokyo 2020 organizers, they have repeatedly said that the Games will go on as scheduled. But their organizing chief, Yoshiro Mori, has also said he prays to the gods every day that the coronavirus will vanish. So you can see the unpredictability there. You know, already with about 90,000 cases, I believe, and more than 3,000 deaths, many international events ranging from F1, golf tournaments, and a host of Olympic qualifiers around the world have been either postponed or cancelled. And in Singapore, the biggest sporting event casualty has been the cancellation of this year's ICC, the International Champions Cup, which is typically played annually in July at the National Stadium featuring world-class football teams. You know, with sponsors already on board, infrastructure bill and broadcast deal signed, the best case scenario really is that the Olympics goes on as scheduled. If the coronavirus situation remains status quo, I think the Olympics will go on, but in an altered form perhaps because of the precautionary measures or share stigma. Travel restrictions could prevent athletes from China and South Korea, you know, the two countries who are worst hit by the DG so far from participating. Another option could be a closed-door games, like what we have seen for some football games around the world and a one-championship event in Singapore last week. That is also an option to prevent the congregation of tens of thousands of people and the possible spreading of the virus. But touch wood, if the coronavirus situation worsens, it may have to be postponed or cancelled altogether. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, David, where is the line there? I mean, what will have to happen before the organisers say, uh, hey, we have no choice but to, to cancel the Olympics? The experts told us that organisers will probably hold out until about two months before the opening ceremony to decide if the Olympics go on or not or in what form. Cancellation of the Olympics has happened before, but they were, they were due to World War One and, and two. So cancelling it for any other reason would be unprecedented. So you get a feel of what a big decision this would be. I think there are only two main reasons that the Olympics will not take place. One is, like I mentioned earlier, the, the situation worsens. When it first started out, the, the virus was predominantly in, in Asia. But increasingly, there are cases being reported in Europe and America. And if the number of cases, number of deaths spike over the next two months, especially in Japan, I think the organizers will have no choice but to pull the plug. The other reason is if athletes come out in full force and say, hey, we are not comfortable to compete in such circumstances. You know, the Olympics is nothing without the athletes. So if they don't want to go, the Games will be off. Yeah, but it is worth noting that health scares are not uncommon. You know, as recently as the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea, there were worries about the bird flu. And 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio, there was also fears over the Zika virus and, and, and some golfers and tennis players didn't show up. But both games proceeded without any infections reported during these periods. So uh, we remain hopeful. Mm-hmm. And in the event that there is a cancellation, uh, David, who, who do you think will be the hardest hit? Right, you, you can imagine for an event of such scale to, to be cancelled, it will affect many people. The Japanese government has already spent more than 17 billion. Sponsors are already on board to the tune of more than 4 billion. And other billion dollar broadcast deals have been signed. Ramifications will be huge for the country's tourism, hospitality and aviation sectors as financial commitments could all be wiped out. So 
firstly, the expected 10 million visitors will not materialize. And then, you know, hotels and airports that spend a whole lot of money to renovate and increase their capacities will see their efforts come to naught. Broadcast companies will probably be covered by insurance, but the IOC will see their broadcast revenues take a hit. And also spare a thought for the athletes, you know, they, they train four years for this moment and to have it taken away from them so abruptly. You know, for some, it may be their last chance to win a medal at the Olympics. For others, it could even be their only Olympics. So the impact is, is rather huge. Mm-hmm. Well, Cezali, let's bring you into the conversation right now. You spoke to some experts about the possibility of a postponement. I mean, where the Games is held perhaps like a year later in 2021, do you think this is even viable? I think it is viable. It's not to say that it doesn't uh, come with its own hurdles and got straightforward, but it makes sense from a few angles. I think firstly, as David mentioned earlier, the most important group of people are the athletes. Without athletes, there wouldn't be no Olympics. So they are less disrupted with a one-year runway to sort of give them the flexibility or planning how to prepare for the Olympics to be at their best for, for the competition. The worst scenario possible would be to say, oh, okay, we'll move it to September or October, changing it by a few months because their training cycles and their training plans and their loads and all this would be disrupted and, you know, they would certainly not be happy with that. Secondly, it also gives time for organisers to have a firmer grasp of how we deal with the coronavirus. You know, reports have suggested that when a nation could possibly be found uh, at the year's end. So, you know, knowing your enemy, as it were, would uh, certainly help Japan and the IOC with the staging of the event. As I mentioned, there are hurdles, you know, for something like scale of the Olympics, it would not be easy for Japan and their government to just say, all right, we'll just put it aside for a year and then in six to 12 months, we'll sort of bring it back out and then start the gears going again. And there are also world championship meets for swimming and athletics scheduled for next July and August. So the sporting calendar, you know, if they are not scrapped, would be severely congested. So it's not a straightforward situation, not a straightforward solution, but it seems to be a workable one if all the parties come together and sort of pull together in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Well, let's really hope that there'll be more clarity on the situation surrounding the Olympics in the very near future. And now, if you like these Straits Times, a game of two halves, you can listen to us live on Money FM 89.3 for about this time at 5.15 every Monday. Or you can subscribe to hashtag game of two halves on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now back to the second half of our conversation with our SD Sports uh, podcasters David and Sazali. Well, guys, the 2020 season of the Singapore Premier League officially kicked off last week. And what caught your eyes? I mean, I know it's only one round in, but have you gotten clues as to where the title could be headed? For me, I think it's anybody's title. Albrecht Nigata won the title a few times in a row recently, in recent seasons. They beat Geylang 4-0, but I think the scoreline flattered them. They dominated possession even with 11-11. But, you know, with two men down, with Geylang having two red cards, you know, they did not trouble the Geylang goalkeeper enough, I feel. They, they weren't ruthless enough. Tampines beat uh, Balestier 1-0. They sort of scraped through. They needed their, their goalkeeper to pull off a man of the match performance. But I think there's still a lot of interest in this coming week because we get to see Lions City. Sailors play their first game and they are touted as uh, challenges for the title and of course the defending champion DPMM as well they host Japanese so yeah I think that in terms of uh, where the title is headed it could be anywhere at this point of time mm-hmm. I think if, if you ask me what to look out for I mean it was a, certainly a very encouraging start for the 25th season of the SPL I think more than 2,000 people turn up for the season opener which Brex beat Geylang 4-0 as Sars mentioned but if you're talking about literally what to look out for I think it must be the fact that I was able to catch every game either on TV through Singtel or Starhub or Facebook if I'm not able to go down to the stadium on the pitch I think it's worth noting that the, the favourite the results already mentioned by Sazali Albrecht, Algang and Tempest all came through unscathed but I'm sure tougher challenges lie ahead also 10 goals were scored in the three games 
eight were by foreigners, only two from Singaporean youngsters, Jordan Bestring and Ilhan Fandi. So I'm hoping the local boys will improve on that count. You know, personally, I have a vested interest in Aogang, so I hope they do well. But I think... <laughs> As of now, they look like they could be over-reliant on their Croatian strikers, Tipe Plazibat, to get the goals. You know, they were playing against a very young line side and their defence will definitely face sterner tests. Despite all their gripes, I'm still st- sticking my head out for Tampines Rovers. Mm-hmm. You know, I think other than the penalty scare, they, they, they kept the ball well against Ballester, did enough to get the three points. But it's not just the results, you know, it's the way they play. Coach Gavin Lee has instilled a distinct brand of attacking football where his players are comfortable on the ball and they move fluidly to create space and scoring opportunities. So, like Sazali said, we have yet to see the Sailors and defending champions Brunei DPMM play, but, you know, my pre-season pick would have to be Tampines. Right. And at that the end, any standout players that you think could go on to star this particular season? Yeah, as David mentioned, I think Haugang striker Stipe Prazibat looked in fantastic form right now. And I think he's the front runner for the top scorer. I know it's only one game. You know, he's got a hat-trick, but it's his 50th goal in Singapore football. But I just feel like Prazibat has that swagger, you know, that, that confidence again. You see him on the pitch, you see him, you know, for some of us who actually follow him on social media, he has sort of rediscovered that confidence that saw him score 37 goals in 39 games for Home United in 2017. So I think hopefully he keeps fit the whole season and he can bang the goals in for Haugang. But Boris Kopitovic shows also, the Tampines striker, he scored four goals in five games for Tampines. I think he, he, he would sort of push Plazibat for that top scorer, that Golden Boot award. But to me, he's a bit more reliant on the service. He's a bit more one-dimensional, your classic penalty box striker. And I don't know if his first season in Singapore, I don't know if he will settle in time quick enough to win that Golden Boot. What about you, David? Personally, I'm biased towards attackers. I'm looking out, you know, for the skillful Tampines uh, midfielder Kyoga Nakamura to start his stuff. You can check out his Instagram. I can only say so much in words. You can check out his Instagram for his tricks. Panjum Baga, you know, the comeback kids, they have former Brazil youth international striker Luis Junior who has played alongside Oscar and against Neymar in his youth days. So it'll be interesting to see if he comes with that Joga Bonito flair, you know. As for the locals, a shout out to Gabriel Quack who had a good season leading the Warriors front line despite their financial issues last season. He's now with the Lion City Sailors playing for a big team who are expected to win all in front of them will be a good test for him at this stage of his career as he turns 30 this year. The other end of the age spectrum, Ilhan Pandi, he's still only 17, is another one to look out for before he enlists for national service in the middle of the year. You know, he, he has played in just five SPL games already. He has three goals to his name, which is currently, you know, the best strike rate in the Fundy family. But if well-built men in tight white shots are your thing, then check out Algang defender Zach Anderson. You know, o- over the community shield live commentary Patrick Kinghorn said he looks like he's playing in diapers you know? so, so if that's your thing you have to check it out for yourself head to a local stadium near you to, to catch a game mm-hmm. well thank you very much David and Sazali the goes the final whistle for our sports discussion of the week we really hope that you enjoyed listening to us uh, good to have you both in the studio thank you so much indeed. once again David and Sazali that was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.